having a conversation with yourself means that you're deeply listening to yourself, deeply. And you're kind of having a one-way conversation with yourself, which sounds a bit strange, but it gets you into a similar zone that you would get to if you were in a coaching room. And that creates a huge shift in thinking and can be done for free on your own. Do you have some stuff going on in your life that you've been ignoring for far too long? And have you ever thought that coaching would be helpful, but you're put off by the time or the expense? And do you secretly suspect that you already know what the answers to your dilemmas are? You know what to do, but you're really stuck on how to do it. If that's the case, then self-coaching might just be for you. In this podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Claire Kay to answer the question, can self-coaching really work? And how exactly do I do it? Claire is a former GP, now working as a careers coach, and she's obsessed with self-coaching. We talk about how to use this technique, which is much simpler than it might sound, to get you unstuck and moving forwards with any issues you might be facing. Now, whilst Claire and I totally believe in the power of coaching with a qualified coach, it can be time-consuming, and with the best one in the world, your coach can't be with you seven days a week to help you think through every issue that comes along. Now, this is where self-coaching comes in. By regularly asking yourself a set of simple yet powerful questions, it really is possible to shift your mindset and answer those questions that you've been avoiding. At the end of the episode, Claire even talks us through a simple self-coaching exercise, and you can get a free download of this simple self-coaching toolkit by clicking the link in the show notes. So listen to this episode if you want to find out how and when self-coaching works best, the sorts of questions you need to ask yourself, and if you want to get a simple strategy to get you started. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for doctors and busy professionals in healthcare and other high-stress jobs who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris, a former GP, now working as a coach, speaker and specialist in resilience at work. Like frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water, many of us have found that exhaustion and stress are slowly becoming the norm. But you are not a frog. You don't have to choose between burning out or getting out. In this podcast, I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this and inviting you to make a deliberate choice about how you will live and work. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours. Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash getyourlifeback. So it's fantastic to have with me back on the podcast again, Dr. Claire Kay. Claire is a former GP. She's an executive coach who specializes in career development. So welcome back, Claire. Thanks for having me. It's really good to have you back. Your previous episodes have been really, really popular. I think there's a massive appetite out there for 
developing our careers. And when we talk about career development, I know we're not talking about, oh, I'm desperate to change jobs, to change careers, but actually taking control of our careers and really crafting them to be to be what they need to be. And I think what you bring there is the real thoughtfulness about helping people think about that, because I don't think we're very good at doing that in healthcare, are we? No, I think a lot of us feel that we kind of get on the travelator at the beginning of our careers and you carry on along this travelator and it's kind of then you end up where you end up. And actually, there's very little thought for a lot of us about how that kind of happened. And then you get to being a consultant or a GP or whichever aspect of healthcare you're in and kind of turn around and go, oh, 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 how did I end up here? As opposed to it being a really well thought through, clear process that's really aligned with your purpose and your values and really thinking about, yeah, this is what I want and this is how I'm going to get there. So hopefully we can start to change people's approach and you might end up at the same place, but interestingly, it feels differently when you arrive there because it's actually something you've chosen. And I think that's really powerful and something really important. And actually, it's really easy. I know it doesn't sound it, but it's actually really easy to have those thought processes and those conversations with yourself and to end up at the place that you choose as opposed to just arriving somewhere. And that that difference is very easy to create. Yeah, it's, I mean, when you go through medical school and you qualify, and I'm sure this is true of other professions as well, you just, I think, see your career in terms of, well, I'm going to be a gastroenterologist or I'm going to be a surgeon and I will pick my specialty but you don't think about do I want to be in a tertiary center or a DGH and how do I want that to look in terms of what I'm actually doing day to day do I want to work less than full-time do I want to have other interests within my career perhaps teaching and training or, or something else so I think it's really good that we're starting to think about all this and, and you're right in that you might not end up in a, in a different place, but something about having thought about it, having made that decision. And my favorite phrase at the moment is, I choose to dot, 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 so that dot, dot, dot. Mm. And I think it's so powerful. And in fact, someone in one of our memberships was saying to me the other day that they had uh, been off sick with stress from their work as a doctor, but they almost gave up. But then they came across this phrase that we were talking about and the zone of power about staying in your zone of power looking at what you can control and what you can't and she said she said you know what I am choosing to go back to work so that and she had a variety of reasons and she said I feel really empowered to do that whereas I was just going to quit and and she said, and if it doesn't work out and it's not what I want I will choose to leave or get a different job so that dot 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 and you could just see the spark in her eyes that that Things were completely different just from changing the mindset. I mean, the job she was going back into wasn't really that different. I mean, do you know what? It's so true. And I love that you've brought this up, actually, because I've had some clients recently where on paper, at the beginning of their coaching series, their job looks exactly the same as at the end. And I had someone finish just really recently, and she's a GP partner. She was hating it, just didn't love it at all. And actually, now at the end of her series, she is so much more in love with her job, but doing more of what she really enjoys within that role and trying to do less of the things that she doesn't enjoy so much. And that's really powerful. And that doesn't mean sort of dumping on colleagues. It just means working together and going, actually, do you know what? I love seeing this group of patients and I love doing this bit and I'm really good at this bit. I find this bit a bit more challenging and perhaps working with your colleagues and doing 
you know, that sort of give and take actually just really helps that approach to your role and helps you to think, gosh, you know, there's lots of positive things here. And, and one of the things I get my clients to do is to uh, just a really simple little diary. And at the end of the day, just to put a smiley, sad face or a medium face at the end of the day and to notice when they've actually had some good things happen and to start to notice when they have had good days at work. And just by doing that, you can go, oh my goodness, you know what? 75% of the time or 50% of the time, I actually do have good days at work. That isn't enough. So what can I put in place that will get me to what my optimum is? And that might be 60% or 90% or 100%. Doesn't matter. Everybody's different. But just by doing that notice bit at the beginning is really helpful. Yeah, that's fantastic. And on a bit of a side note, I was talking to someone the other day and they had done this. I can't remember what it was. It was some sort of well-being at work survey and enjoyment of work survey amongst some healthcare professionals. I think it was in a hospital trust, actually. But the really interesting thing was that 80% of the time, people were really enjoying it and people were really happy. And I think we've been conditioned to think, oh, everyone in healthcare is so put upon, is so miserable at the moment, is, is nearing burnout. And while I think that is a large extent true, and there are lots of people that are, actually have the vast majority of us do find a lot of joy in what we do. It may just be that that 20% that we really hate or is making us miserable is sort of overwhelming the rest of it. And from what you've said, you know, it takes insight, doesn't it, to understand yourself. And it takes a little bit of reflection and maybe some things that you hadn't thought of to really get to that place where you can say, well, I love doing that and I don't love doing that. And this is my strength and this is my skill. And I must admit that I had no idea about that for myself Mm -hmm. until I went and got into this whole coaching malarkey. Yes. And so... We're going to talk about today how you can do self-coaching, how you can get to these amazingly um, awesome insights uh, by yourself. But first of all, I think it might be good just to talk about actually what what is coaching in the first place? Because I don't think in healthcare we really understand what it is, partly or mostly because we've actually never really been exposed to it properly. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, my one of my massive passions is self-coaching. So I'm really excited to be talking about it. But you're right, you can't understand what self-coaching is until you know what coaching is. And I always describe coaching when I'm speaking to people as being a really practical process, which involves setting um, goals and putting next steps in place to allow that to happen. It's very forward thinking and it's very motivating. Now that's kind of the bare bones, but I think really there's much more nuance to it, which is really powerful. And I think for me, the big things are that firstly, coaching allows us to extract the answers that are inside of us because it's based on this concept that we all have the answers. And most people say that when I say that and they go, oh, don't be ridiculous. If I knew the answers, I'd just do it. But actually the power is in having the right questions and knowing how to answer them. And then for me, the big thing, I, I have this big thing about noise, which is a bit of a bizarre concept, but I feel, and I see this a lot when people come to speak to me, that there's a lot of noise in their heads so this sense of, you know, on a Tuesday, right, I'm going to do X or oh, on a Wednesday, you know, you know, I know what the problem is. It's Y. And then on the Thursday, you're, actually, it's not Y. It's R. Oh, no, I don't know. And then it just goes around and around and around. And then the other bit of noise is kind of this external noise where like friends, family, relatives, colleagues are all going, I know what you should do, Claire. You should do this because this will be perfect for you. And or do you know what? Why don't you do that? Or come along with me and do whatever. 
And actually so many of my clients kind of follow that thinking because it kind of lands on their lap, number one. And number two, the people around them, they trust and love. So they think, well, they probably know what's right for me. I'll just do it. But all this noise, this external noise and this internal noise basically means it's really hard to know what the right path is in inverted commas. And for me, the biggest understanding about what coaching does is it basically gives you a platform where there is no more noise. It gives you this sense of clarity, direction, focus, where you're just really clear about what you want. And it comes back to what you were saying before about this sense of choice, of control, of influence. And it might be that you end up in exactly the same place as you would have done anyway. But there's just this overwhelming sense of control and focus that's just so calming and so motivating in the same breath. I love that eliminating the external noise for a start, which is never really that helpful, but it's it, you're right. It's the internal noise that really confuses us. For me, I think the real benefit of coaching as well is really, really simple is this concept of active listening and the concept Mm. that, um, a lot of us, not all of us, need to talk to know what we're thinking. So this sort of external processing, particularly if you're an extrovert on the Myers-Briggs type indicator scale. And there's a brilliant quote from Peter Ustinov, which is, I love being interviewed. It lets me know what I'm thinking. So we've all had that time where we've just been chatting to a friend who's been really listening and we've suddenly come up with an answer. You thought, well, how come I couldn't come up with that myself? But actually the process of saying what's in your head and getting stuff out there and getting insight is so, so helpful. And I suppose that brings us really nicely to self-coaching because having a conversation with yourself, which is essentially what self-coaching is, I mean, I can give you a more complex definition in a minute, but that's essentially what it is, means that you're deeply listening to yourself, like deeply. And you're kind of having a one-way conversation with yourself which sounds a bit strange, but it gets you into a similar zone that you would get to if you were in a coaching room. And that creates a huge shift in thinking and can be done for free on your own and is really easy to access. That's fantastic news, isn't it? Because I think while both of us would advocate getting some coaching if you can, if you A, can afford it, because it can be really expensive, although there are lots and lots of free schemes around there and available at the moment, which is just fantastic. It takes a while. It takes sort of one to two hours per session and you have them at prescribed times. And quite often you come up against something that you need to sort out in the next 24 hours. And with the best one in the world, with the best coach, you can't really just bring them up and go, quick, have you got two hours free? And you've got a clinic starting and whatever. So I think to be able to get good at self-coaching as a both and it's a normal coaching as well is really really important I know you've been thinking a lot about this recently Claire. I mean have you got much experience of self-coaching yourself then oh I do it all the time I'm obsessed Ooh. and actually I was I was thinking about it before I came on today to do this podcast with you about when I first experienced self-coaching and it goes back to when I was a registrar to my trainer when I was a GP and she was very much involved with the narrative approach to the consultation and John Lorna and that was how she did her consultations but I don't know whether it was consciously or unconsciously she was clearly into coaching and whenever I used to knock on her door and say oh I'm really stuck with this and I don't know what to do and is this the right management and all those sort of ah, self-doubt moments 
She her first question to me, she'd say, Claire, what do you think you should do in this situation? And every time I'd go, oh, can't you just answer me? I just need you to tell me if it's okay. And then I'd answer her and she'd go, oh, there you go then. And that question has stuck in my head and has actually been part of my consultations with every single patient I have ever seen and has been one of the most useful things she's ever done for me and has actually transformed my career because I use that question all the time and I use that question going forwards. And it it really made me think when I was thinking about this today when I was coming on here that actually I've been self-coaching for probably 25 years without knowing it. Just asking yourself questions to change your mindset and to grow and to develop. And the the definition, well, one of the definitions that I look, was looking up was that self-coaching is the process of guiding our growth and development, particularly through periods of transition in both professional and personal realms. And that's by Ed Batista. Now, that's great. And I think that's good. For me, I'm a simple soul. It's basically just asking yourself questions to move forwards. And it feels great. So, and I just think that it's something I'm very passionate about. It's something I work a lot with my clients about with, and I give them tools and tricks that are tailor-made to them so that they can use it to move forwards. Because as you say, you can have a coach and that's great, but not everybody has access to that. And there are lots of things you can do yourself. And even if you are having coaching, as you say, they're not, your coach isn't going to be there for life. You need these techniques, which are really simple just to have a go. And if you can't do the work yourself, if it's a really big problem, then you can say, actually, you know what, I've done it as much as I can, but actually I need a bit of help. I'm not really, really good at being really reflective for long periods of time. I think we've talked about this before. I just, I know I should be in my profession, but I'm really not. So I just do it in really bite-sized ways. And I have a few favorite questions, which I ask myself that really change my thinking. One of my favorite ones is, what are you feeling? Because, you know, if you're in a situation, you just feel either like, or or really unsettled or whatever your noise is when you just don't feel right. And by labeling your emotion, you can go, oh, that's it. I know what I, the problem is here. What do I need to do next? Who might I need to help me? What are the resources I might need? How could I address this differently? Why might I be feeling like this? You know, all those sorts of things. So, but labeling the emotion for me is really useful. What am I feeling? So that, that would be one of my favorite questions. And another one, which I absolutely love, just again, these like bite size, I don't have to do a whole series of things, just little bite size. But this is one of my favorite ones is if you uh, were in this situation, what would your wise friend, your wisest friend say to you? And that to me is like transformation. And I've done this multiple times and my wise friend is so wise. <laughs> She's always got something fabulous to say or rather rude sometimes as well. But that's so helpful. So helpful. I love those questions. I'm writing them down as we go. What are you feeling? And if you were in this situation, what would your wisest friends say to you? I love that. That's a variant on my, one of my favorite coaching questions, which is, yeah, what advice would you give to someone else in exactly the same situation as as you? And it's amazing how just that external perspective, even though it's your perspective, but you're thinking it is an external perspective really unlocks stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think the other thing, the other biggest tip I've got about self-coaching is ideally is if you can write stuff down. So it's all very well going, oh, what am I feeling? And then you go, well, I'm probably feeling 
whatever. And then you maybe come up with something, but it's all a bit willy. But when you've got to write the word down, angry or deflated or depleted or whatever it is, actually seeing it on paper helps you to think, gosh, why am I feeling like that? What is it about this situation that is causing me to feel this way? And so I think the biggest tip I've got about self-coaching is even if you only have five minutes, just write the question, the, the answers down to the questions that you're asking yourself. And that creates huge change. And if you really can't use words, if you're not a wordy person, I do a lot of scaling questions as well with people. And so if you give scaling questions, are just giving yourself a mark out of 10. So you might say, I don't know. So if 10 is feeling really fantastic about something and naught is feeling really awful about something, you might just start something about how am I feeling about this situation? And you might say, I'm feeling two out of 10. And then you say, well, what is it about this situation that makes me feel two? What does two mean to me? What would make it a 10? What do I need to put in place to allow that to happen? So if you're not a wordy person and you prefer numbers, I find that scaling technique really helpful. And I do a lot of that with um, my clients and it, and it works really well and it takes two seconds. That's interesting. I love the idea of scaling, you know, naught to 10 or, or, or one to 10. Actually, some people say start at one because if people say naught, you've got nowhere to go. But if you start at one, <laughs> then you can say, well, why is it a one, not a naught? <laughs> Are there any good things in there? Little trick of the trade. But I think that's really powerful because I think people are slightly put off stuff like this because of reflection and reflective practice. Mm. And in fact, I was reading a really useful article in the Harvard Business Review today, which I've put in our Facebook group, all about reflection and actually why it's so powerful. And people say all the time, oh, you should do journaling. You should Mm. do reflection and stuff. And and the idea of just journaling for journaling's sake, you know, I think of someone sitting down, you know, writing reams in a diary, you know, dear diary, this is Mm. what happened to me today. But actually what you're talking about is a really amazing form of reflective practice that actually is going to be really, really useful. Yeah. And, and you know what I say to people is just in their diary to have like, you know, in your electronic diary on your phone, if that's what you do, is to have on the first Monday of the month or whatever day suits you, just literally your five minute check-in. And then you would have it in different areas of your life and just say, you know, how am I? This is one of my favorite ones is just say, how am I doing? And out of 10, you would have your number. And if you're kind of, you so, you know, starting off in January, you're an eight. And then suddenly by March, you're a five. Then you're going to start to think to yourself, okay, hang on a minute. What's changed? Why am I feeling differently? What do I need to put back in place that perhaps was in place before that slipped? Or what else do I need to consider in this situation? You know, those sort of the kind of, and if you're stuck for a question, I mean, we will go through some examples of questions, I'm sure later, doing a few now, but easiest questions to ask, start with a what. So whatever you're thinking, put a what in first, and it usually will create good thinking. It's just a nice open question, but if you can't think of how to start it, what is a great word? And pretty much you can stick what on the front of anything and you'll get a great coachy question. So when you see your numbers slipping from an eight to a five out of 10, you can say, what's going on? There's a nice what, what, what question. And that just starts to shift your mindset. And you might sit there and your first reaction, particularly if you've got a piece of paper is, I don't know. And then you might say, well, what would help me to know? You know, even things like that, just, just stick a, a what in front of everything and it can help to create new thinking. I guess that's a little bit like the five whys that they talk mm-hmm. about. You know, if, if there's an issue, 
I think this comes from sort of Japanese engineering, actually. So why, why have we had this issue? Okay, well, it's because, I don't know, paint didn't mix very well. Why didn't the paint mix very well? Well, I guess it's because it's got the wrong thing of lead to this or whatever. Why is that? Not that you use lead in paint anymore. Anyway, well, why is that? And then you keep going the five whys. But maybe you can have the five watts, you know. Okay, so yeah. what factors cause that? Okay, so maybe those factors. Well, okay, what led to that? And, you know, I love that. So asking the what questions. Another thing that someone said once, I think it was Dr. Karen Castile, because we've talked about self-coaching on the podcast mm. before. And she's written the self-coaching handbook, which is fantastic, actually. There's a whole list of questions that you can ask really quite detailed questions. And she said, actually, if you haven't really got much time and you're really stuck, just sit down and write a list of everything you're stuck with and the questions that you can't answer. Just write them down that you really don't know the answer to and then sit down and answer them. Yes, exactly. That's interesting. So I tried it one day. And you know what? It was really interesting because... I did know the answer. There was, a, there was an issue with somebody I worked with. And I was like, I don't know what to do about this, actually. I did know what to do about mm-hmm. it. It was I was frightened to do what I needed to do about it. And then it was like, okay, so what do I need to do? How am I going to do this best? I always think in this context, there's somebody called Donald Miller who's written an amazing business book called Business Made Simple. There's lots of little videos. I'd encourage anybody to check that out about how to sort of develop yourself. And uh, one of his little videos was all about stop choosing to be confused, which was really interesting. It was a question that a coach had asked him once again. He had, a, I think, an issue with a really difficult employee. And it's like, I don't know what to do. And the coach said, you know exactly what to do. That's not, that is not the issue. Actually, what you don't know is how to do it. And there's lots of things that are stopping you doing what you know you really need to do. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that's the case for most people when it comes to self-coaching, that they sort of do know what they want to do? but they're, they're confused because of all these other factors. Yeah, definitely. And I think naturally we all have these blocks and, and which might be fear, it might be guilt, it might be just you know that sense of avoiding doing something. You try not to think about the things that are hardest, but actually you know, one of the best ways to move forwards is to look at the things that are most in you know, the hardest bit for you. So if you're looking at something and actually going, actually, this is the bit I most don't want to address today, that's the bit you need to address. And But that doesn't have to be this sort of heartfelt, horrendous, traumatic experience. It could just be done in little bite-sized pieces. And I think that's really the key. And, you know, I use a, a much bigger framework for bigger problems, which I call my three R's. And that's also really useful for kind of looking at the, the bigger picture of the self-coaching concept, if you like. So my first one is the reflect bit, which is kind of what we're talking about. And then kind of to move forwards once you've done the reflecting bit is the the next R, which is the reinvent bit, which is kind of where you imagine that you have your your own fairy godmother and that you know, you know, what would good look like if I could wave a magic wand and move forward, you know, those sort of questions in five years' time, what would I what would my perfect week be? Or what those sorts of, you know, in a perfect world, forget practicalities, what, what would this situation be like? A bit like how you had your birds and then, you know, the calm. And then the, uh, the third R is the rebuild, which is the practical bit, which is then you start to ask yourself more practical questions, a bit like how you were saying just then about, you know, well, how am I going to address this? What, what resources do I need in order to move forwards? And so you don't have to do the three R's altogether. Like if you're, if you're that sort of person that enjoys it, great, sit down for an hour and do that. But actually, 
you don't have to do it in one big chunk. You might say, to right, today I'm going to do a bit of reflecting. I'm going to spend five minutes reflecting on this issue that I don't want to think about and try and understand what it is, what's the crux of it. Then you might say, right, I'm going to spend the next time I sit down for five minutes, I'm going to do the, okay, in a perfect world, what do I want this situation to look like? So like you were saying with your colleague and, you know, that what are you going to do? What, what would good look like in that situation? And then the third bit. I get it. You'll push for time. And with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole, and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops top five episodes sorry and leap into your happiest thriving self again just go to you are not a frog.com slash quiz another at another point you might say okay we're going to rebuild so what do i need to put in place to make this reality come to fruition and and actually the practical bit doesn't have to be la la land and it's almost better if it isn't it it's actually okay well how much am i willing to accept here that this isn't perfection like is 80% good good enough and and the answer may be yes or no actually it needs to be 90% or actually 50% is fine but you know it doesn't have to be 100% perfect to be acceptable so what you're willing to accept is really useful as well and i suppose that brings us back to a little bit about what you were saying with that person you were talking about that was back in their work and really enjoying it again, a bit like my client, that actually their, their acceptance levels had changed. And so understanding what you're prepared to accept, not as a sort of doormat, but as a kind of, actually, I can accept this because it gives me financial stability. I can play with my kids. I'm close to home and I'm working part-time. So actually it's fine. And I'm doing lots of other things outside of work that are really stimulating. So actually I can think about this differently. So, you know, those sort of things can be done really systematically using the three R's. And, you know, it tends to be if you're trying to do a bigger piece of work, it can be helpful to sort of direct yourself forwards. I love that framework of the three R's. I think that's really, really helpful. Something that I find really helpful when I am stuck is a simple zone of power exercise, mm. which is, you know, get a piece of paper, draw a circle in the middle. What am I in control of? And what am I not in control of? And it's amazing when you start to do that, the amount of things that we're obsessing about and worrying about that literally we can't mm -hmm. do anything about. And again, there's the acceptance piece of I'm choosing to sow that and then I'll accept bits that I don't like. But there's also the acceptance piece of, well, actually, literally nothing I can do about this. Yeah. So actually, that's one of the things I'm going to have to accept. I could, I could rally against it, but that's just going to cause me stress and upset because I can't change it. And then you notice, well, what is in my zone of power? And then, then those are the things I'm going to focus on. Yeah, so definitely. I, definitely. I was working with somebody the other day and it was really interesting. She's a consultant in the NHS and, you know, she was spending so much effort and time trying to change the whole of the NHS, which of course, you know, with the greatest will in the world, one person, however wonderful they are, cannot do that. And actually, when she realized that there were certain things that she was essentially hitting her head against a brick wall against, Actually, if she used her energy on the things that she did have influence over, there would be far greater change. <laughs> and actually, when she realized that, that was hugely powerful because she could move away from doing the thing that was just so frustrating and not getting anywhere 
and just move, as you say, back into her zone of control and her zone of power and say, actually, I can influence these bits, but if I just let that bit go, and by doing this bit, I'll have more influence overall. And that, you know, that's a very, you know, strong Stephen Covey, you know, um, message, isn't it, from his book of Seven Habits, Habits of Highly Effective People. And, you know, I really love his book. I know it's, you know, you know, it's like what, 40 years old now, but it's got such incredible useful concepts that kind of do underpin, I suppose, a lot of self-coaching as well and coaching. So I think there's lots in that that's really, really helpful. I think that book is a complete timeless classic and I it is. encourage anybody to read it. Actually, I think it was almost the first book on self-development that I ever read. Mm. And then I thought, oh my goodness, this is so helpful. And that got me onto all of the other stuff as well. So I encourage people to have a look at that if you want to really understand some of those principles. But Clara, I'm looking at this thinking what people probably need to get started is a bit of a framework because it is quite difficult just to sit down and just randomly sort of think about the questions you need to ask yourself, particularly when you haven't got experience of coaching. Yeah. So do you have a bit of a framework that you could share with us? Yeah. Do you know, I think the, what might be quite nice is to maybe do um, a silent coaching exercise. This isn't my exercise. It's one that um, was done on a course that I went on, which I thought was really useful. And I've done it a lot in seminars and with clients, and it's really helpful. It's based on the GROW model, which a lot of coaching is based on. That's kind of a basic coaching model, if you like. And GROW stands for goals, reality, options, and will. And basically what it does is it looks at what your goals are, what the reality of the situation is, what the options are, and what you will do. So it's, it's you know, GROW has its place. I think for me personally, as a coach, I don't use it that often. But I think in self-coaching, it does provide quite a nice, simple framework to start with, as long as you don't make yourself necessarily do it in that order, which because it just needs to come as it comes. But I think it might be useful if you're up for it to do a little silent coaching exercise, which we'll do in real time. And what I'd like people to do is to grab a pen and paper. What I'm going to do is read out some questions and I'd like you to write down the answer to those questions that you come up with. So this exercise will probably take five to seven minutes, something like that. And I just want you to be aware that I'm going to be maybe a little bit too quick for some of you and a little bit too slow for some of the others. And that's totally fine. What I think we could do, Claire, is make this available as a handout that people can sign up to. So really just concentrate on the questions Claire's asking. And if yeah. she moves forwards a little bit too fast, then don't worry, we'll, we'll provide a handout in the, in the link in the show notes. So actually, you've, you've got the questions that you can run through in your own time as well. So just to take any anxiety off, I've got to note down the questions so that I can use you them don't. again. But yeah. just listen to yeah. Claire, and I might be able to do something clever with the audio and, and take this little snippet out also and put it in the PDF so people can listen back to it. Just the questions, if, if that's helpful for people. So, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up now. Mm-hmm. and let Claire lead us through a little bit of an exercise now. Okay. Okay, fab. So what I'd like you to do is to think of an issue that's going on for you right now. Okay. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be small. It's whatever's going on for you right now. It doesn't have to be work-related necessarily. Something outside of work is absolutely fine. I want you just to think of that issue for a second. Just take a moment. I want you to think about what is it that you're trying to achieve? Just write the answer down. What is it that you are trying 
to achieve. Imagine that you're successfully addressing your issue. What does success look and feel like? Imagine that you are successfully addressing your issue. What does success look and feel like? What are the key features of this situation? What are the key features of the situation? What assumptions are you making? Really focus on this question. It's very important. What assumptions are you making? What, if anything, have you already done to address the situation? What, if anything, have you already done to address the situation? What else might you do? What else might you do? Here's my favorite one. If you had a really wise friend, what would they do in your shoes? If you had a really wise friend, what would they do in your shoes? Looking over your list of options, which options will you commit to pursuing? Looking over your list of options, which options will you commit to pursuing? What help or support do you need? What help or support do you need? And lastly, what is the first step that you will take? What is the first step that you will take? Now that just took a few minutes. Some of it you'll have been feverishly scribbling down. Other bits of it will have been very easy and quick for you to answer. There's no right way of doing it. But if you have one particular issue that you want to focus on, it can be very powerful. I saw you scribbling things away, Rachel, while we were doing this. Did you have a go at it? I did. I did. It's amazing, actually. So there's just personal issue at the moment. And actually... Yeah, it's, it's amazing. The answer is, is I don't have the answer, but actually I have the next step. 
And I think it was interesting, and I've got a couple of questions about this. Mm. The first one is that assumptions question is really helpful. Really amazing question. I'm assuming, you know, someone's really upset about this. They don't want to do this. They this. Actually, Mm -hmm. I don't really know. So actually, one of the actions I've got is to go and really spend time with that person listening Mm -hmm. and really finding out and helping them feel a bit more autonomy, et cetera, et cetera. So that was helpful. The question that I have was over the, what are the key features of this issue? Could you mm. just expand on what you meant by that? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the issue, doesn't it? So if you were, say, in a work situation, I don't know, say the issue at the moment is your workload is too, too great as far as maybe paperwork goes. Let's just take something quite defined. And you might say, okay, what are the key features of this issue? Firstly is my doc man, you know, I'm getting too much doc man. There aren't enough people to do the work. The admin staff perhaps aren't as efficient as they could be. Maybe the processes aren't in place. Maybe I'm not very good at actually understanding how to use Docman. You know, those sort of things, just looking at what, breaking it down, actually, what are the different aspects of this issue? I think that's perhaps of less of a useful question generally, if I'm honest, but is quite less useful in relationship things. But in something that's quite practical and kind of looking at process, actually, it's quite a useful question. And I think the thing is, you know, there's loads of other questions you could ask, but if you're trying to go down that and the question doesn't fit with your situation, you can just not do it. (laughs) You don't have to do them all. So if it's like, oh, that's a bizarre question. Why would I ask that? It's probably because it doesn't fit into this situation. But if you were to do a different one, it probably would. And I, I find when I first did this exercise, I was kind of blown away. And the, and this is where I really sort of like realized that the writing down bit was actually vital. Because partly it's fantastic seeing what you write. And secondly, you just have to make a decision what it is that you think. <laughs> you just have to go, oh, it's this, <laughs> you know. And then you might have lots of different things that are, you know, write, written down. But then you'll say, okay, what's, what's the most important here? Where's this, the priority lie? So I think those, this is a really useful exercise. But there's, really, there's lots of other ways to self-coach. It doesn't always have to be around an issue. It might just be around this sense of feeling a bit depleted and flat. So this process is really useful if you have a thing, but if you're not sure what the thing is or the thing is too big, asking a different random question like that or asking things like, you know, you know, how this, my feel question, how do I feel about this situation? And another really brilliant question is when have I felt like this before and what did I do that helped? And that's a really, I mean, that's a coaching question that we use all the time, but it's so useful in self-coaching because, you know, you might have been in a situation where you felt deeply uncomfortable and you might be sitting there thinking, you know, I have no idea what to do. And then you remember when you felt like this before in perhaps like a different situation and you think, ah, oh, in that situation, I actually spoke to the people involved. I put in a few um, simple processes and then I did lots of planning. And by doing the planning, I felt much more in control and I was able to move forwards. And you might think to yourself, ah, so hang on, it was the communication with other people and it was the planning that really moved things forwards. So when I've been feeling like this before, communication and planning were the two tools that really helped me. How could I use communication and planning in this situation? What do I need to to put in place to allow that to happen? It's all really useful conversations to be having with yourself. Those are really fantastic questions. So you almost need this sort of framework and then some supplementary questions to ask when you don't really know 
what the question to ask is. Exactly, exactly. And I think the key with self-coaching is that it's very tailor-made. So you can do whatever you want with it. It's essentially just asking yourself questions to move forwards, but it's taking small snippets of time to allow that to happen. And, you know, it's, I'm really passionate about it. And I think sometimes it can, again, you'd be like, I don't know where to even start with any of that. And in which case, you know, that's when, you know, on my Instagram, for example, that's what I dedicate the whole of my Instagram pretty much to is around self-coaching and giving people ideas of things that they can ask themselves just to kind of go, oh yeah, there's lots of people out there that wouldn't even know the question to ask themselves, even if it's gotten written down, because you kind of see a whole list of questions and think, oh, I don't know which question today. You know, by by getting involved with people who are enjoying self-coaching them, even if it's friends, it doesn't have to be me, but you know, friends who enjoy it, you might be able to throw a question out to each other and on a WhatsApp group and say, this is our question to answer for today you know, just get a group of you together and do that is really fun and actually doesn't take your mind away from the job. It actually helps you to get back into the job, which is, again, I think really important at the moment, especially how people are generally feeling. So Claire, what if you've sat down, you've done some self-coaching, you've had some realizations, but actually there's something that's come up that you're really stuck on. You're finding it really difficult to move forward on. What should you do then? I think it depends. So there are lots of issues that are perhaps too big for self-coaching. So, you know, I've got lots of people who are very insightful who come to see me who are completely stuck from a career point of view and they just don't know which way to go. And they've done a little bit of the work, but they feel like they're sort of behind boundaries and they almost need really difficult questions thrown at them so they can move forwards. So you could have some coaching, which you've talked about lots of different avenues to have some coaching either within the workplace, or outside of the workplace. But there's also books that you can read, there's Instagram accounts that you can follow, you know, and also so sometimes not thinking about the issue, which sounds a bit counterintuitive, but saying, okay, I've got to this point where I just, I, I've done all the self-coaching I can, I don't want to have coaching or I can't afford to have coaching or I just, it's not up, it's not for me. I don't like reading books or I've read all the books that are helpful and I don't want to do it. Actually, sometimes just stopping yourself and going, okay, what might be helpful for me now? to change my thinking and that might be having a little holiday or going for a walk where you're not thinking about it where you're not talking about it and that's when often you get the epiphany and sometimes even though this is kind of different to the kind of self-coaching and the coaching conversation by taking the conversation that you've had with yourself to somebody that you trust and saying I've been having this conversation with myself I've been trying to self-coach this is the issue this is what I've come up with what do you think? Yes, it's not self-coaching. Yes, it's not coaching. But actually, sometimes by hearing the other person's perspective and then kind of going, oh, no, that's not right. Or, oh, okay, maybe there's an essence to something that you're saying there that feels quite good can also help you to move forward. As long as you're not going to multiple sources, which goes back to the noise, because then you're kind of going back in a circle and, and not helping yourself. But sometimes that not thinking or taking it to somebody else and going, help me, is, is good. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's interesting because the neuroscience really backs up that not thinking about it because mm. you focus on a problem for too long, you've got very linear brain waves. And as soon as you switch your brain off or have a good night's sleep mm. or you're doing something else, your brain starts to connect across the hemispheres and suddenly you might like have this epiphany, like you yes. said. And it really works. That, that adage to sleep on a problem is really helpful, but you probably need to have been working on that problem then to get that epiphany. 
Yeah, I think you have to be open to working on the problem. But even if it is, you know, something like, let's take a really simple situation. Say there's a situation and you feel something, you don't know what it is. And the one question you ask yourself is, what am I feeling? And the one answer you come up with is, I don't know, jealousy. There's a very provocative word. And you can't face the thought of deciding why you're jealous or what it is in the situation that makes you jealous. And you just go, okay, I'm feeling jealous. Leave it there. I can't take it further. I don't want to take it further. I don't know how to take it further. And it might be that you're out for a walk or you've had your good night's sleep or you're, you know, two days later go, oh, I don't know why I felt jealous. And that's it. That's it. Job done. And it's that simple often. And it, it does. So it doesn't have to be this arduous, exhausting piece of work. But, you know, there's so much more to self-coaching than this as well. I mean, I'm obsessed with people understanding their purpose and understanding why they get out of bed in the morning. Because once you understand that, you can start to self-coach yourself towards your purpose. And this sense of understanding your values, you know, the three things that really underpin who you are and what your your essence is. And again, that's the sort of thing that I think I've said before, you know, I kind of thought I knew what my values were, but couldn't, I'd never put the words on them. When I put the words on them, it, it stands for everything for me. So I have to be in a situation that feels kind, that's loyal and has got integrity. And if those three things aren't there, I I can't do it. So, you know, that helps me to self-coach myself as well, because I'll go, hang on, maybe you're feeling unsettled because your values aren't aligned here. Which one isn't aligned, Claire? Oh, this is, there's no integrity in this situation. What needs to happen now? So, you know, just so having the foundations there are really important. And I think we spoke, well, we did speak last time about success and understanding your definition of success. They're all forms of self-coaching. You know, it's just understanding these, this stuff about yourself and you just do it in pockets or in big batches or in little snippets in whatever fits with you in your life. Well, I think this is going to be really, really helpful for listeners because you know, we've all got things in our life that we're struggling with, even if it's not, oh, what should I be doing with my career? It could be, you know, how do I deal with, you know, the next door neighbors that are causing an issue? Or how do I deal with this problem here? Or there's a colleague at work who's being really tricky or the rate has changed and I hate it and not quite sure how to raise that. All these little things actually conspire to make, to make things, things difficult. And so just spending a little bit of time thinking about it. And then if you, you're stuck, like you said, asking a, a wise friend, getting a bit of perspective on stuff, leaving it for a little bit. I think really, really helpful. So in a minute, Claire, I'm going to ask you for your, your three top tips around self-coaching. But if people wanted to take this further and find out a little bit more, what could they do? There are lots of books. I don't have a favorite apart from Stephen Covey, so I'm not going to recommend any. I'm sure that you've mentioned quite a few already, but they're not particularly about how to self-coach. They've just got concepts. So they're relatively useful. Follow me on Instagram. There's loads of things that I put up, loads of free resources around self-coaching all the time. And I'm running a campaign called hashtag career inspiration, where I feature women with inspiring careers and they share their career mantra and talk about how they have achieved what they have achieved in their career and how this career mantra underpins their career. And essentially it's self-coaching, you know, that they will come up with concepts like, you know, don't be afraid of vulnerability, for example. And so just starting to ask yourself questions around that will help to change your thinking as well. So those sort of ideas are there. And, you know, there. Are, so it's just this want to do it, to actually say, actually, do you know what? I've been in my fixed mindset. I'm stuck where I am. I don't like it. I don't like feeling like this. 
this is a really simple free tool that I can access whenever I want. And actually, it's really simple to learn. So there are loads of resources out there in terms of self-development, maybe not so many about Mm self-coaching. But um, I would point you to the previous episode on self-coaching as well, if there's something you're really interested in with Dr. Karen Castile. But I think what we'll do, Claire, is we're going to put together a, a download of those questions that Claire has just asked. We'll include a link to this episode of the podcast, but also an audio link so that you can replay those questions in your own time and just hear Claire talking through it because I think Claire it was really nice actually hearing that in your voice so it did feel like somebody else asking me the questions even though essentially if I'd been doing that in my own time it, it would have been me so we'll put the download in the show notes or you can find it by going to www.shapestoolkit.com backslash self-coaching and you'll be able to get that download there and there'll be links to how you can access Claire and her work as well so we'll, we'll put that there for you guys to get totally free so Claire I'd love to hear what your three top tips for self-coaching are I think the first thing is notice when things aren't quite right and then pick one question that you love that's going to be your go-to question it might be how am I doing what am I feeling What's the situation here? Any of those are good starting questions. And then grab a pen, get a piece of paper, and just write the answer down. And from that, you'll know whether you need to go into a full kind of grow exercise, whether to go into my three R's, whether you just need to ask yourself a random question, like what would my wise friend say? You'll just know what's written on that piece of paper how much work needs to be done on this and whether this is something you can do on your own or whether it isn't. And, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm going to have a book on this subject coming out soon. So that will be a resource, hopefully, that will be useful to people in due course. But, you know, it's something that is so accessible. And I really hope that people just have a go and don't feel that if it doesn't go so well the first time that you can't do it. It's a bit like learning to drive. You know, it takes a bit of like work to begin with and then it just becomes really natural so when I'm feeling uh, I just go ah I'm feeling uh, what am I feeling ah I'm feeling angry I'm feeling sad I'm feeling jealous I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling Mm. and that's just a great starting point fantastic tips I think the only thing I'd add to that tip is make time to do this Mm. maybe schedule time in your diary to yourself and yeah I, I do try and make some time to just sit down and think even just thinking through your week uh, and it's one of my favorite parts of the week where I have that space and time to self-reflect and I think I'm going to start adding some self-coaching into that <laughs> as, as well thank you so much Claire that was so helpful if people want to get hold of you find out more about your work or get some coaching where can they go well as I've said I'm on Instagram um under Dr Claire K um, executive underscore executive coaching you can also catch me on my website and there's a contact form there, which is www.drclairek.com. Um, so you can just send me a, a note. People contact me all the time. So I'm more than happy to get in touch with people. Or you can, um, on social media, like on Facebook, you can, again, just DM me and I'm more than happy to answer you. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you. That's wonderful. And like I said, we will put a link to the, that free self-coaching handout in the show notes. So do grab that if you're interested in this. So Claire, thank you so much. Will you, will you come back onto the podcast? Oh, I love soon? it. Of course I will. Yes, Hurrah. thank you. <laughs> Hurrah, that's wonderful. So have a good rest of the day and we'll speak soon.
Take care. Thanks. Bye then. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, we provide a self-coaching CPD workbook for every episode. You can sign up for it via the link in the show notes. And if this episode was helpful, then please share it with a friend. Get in touch with any comments or suggestions at hello at youarenotafrog.com. I love to hear from you. And finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate it and leave a review wherever you're listening. It really helps. Bye for now. Bye for now.